This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. It's so good to be with you today as we kick off our New Year's series, or what we call our vision series for this year, Stronger Foundations. Now, tonight, as we mentioned in the video, I am holding a, a just a, a couple-hour seminar uh, called Let Me Help You Pray. If you haven't registered, there are a lot of you that have, uh, but if you haven't, you can do so online, providing meal. We have child care that's available. We'd love to be able to help you tonight uh, pray. So I was looking around the room, and I just want to make an observation as we, I mean, just look at y'all. Y'all just look so good today. I mean, everybody came in, like New Year's resolutions. Some of y'all sore because you ain't been to the gym in a year, but you've been every day this week. You know, think about yourself and where you are in life. Things have changed for you, haven't they? You've grown. Some of you have grown up. I mean, there's some of you, we, we've been doing this here for 10 years, and some of y'all just little babies when we started. Let's look around the room, just how much changed. Do you remember a, a past version of yourself? Maybe like a young adult. I can remember calling my dad when I was about 23. I'd spent too much money, couldn't pay my power bill, you know? <laughs> I was just, dad, dad, I'm dumb. I need your help, you know? You remember, you remember like a year as a teenager, some of the just stupid stuff you did compared to now. I mean, I thought I would share this. This is fun. Here's the picture of me as a teenager. A lot of hair on the top. It's not there anymore. And a feeble attempt at a mustache. This is me. I was a junior in high school. For some of you, and it's the first time you'd met me, you just moved to Stanley County. I don't know why they would pose you like that for a school picture. It feels a little awkward, just to be honest, you know, 20-something years later. This young man that you're looking at, okay, didn't think he was going to go to college because this young man didn't care much for school. Never brought a book home, never studied for a test, graduated from high school with a solid 2.0 GPA. I mean, just, I graduated from college with over a 3.9. So a little something changed in between there. I wasn't a follower of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the only thing I was following was young girls. It's a big difference between that dude and me. Think of that for you. Think of how far you've come. Think about those lessons you learned as you were growing up. Some of them were painful. Think of the battles you've won. Some of us in here have fought some battles that will forever change the generations coming in our family. You have gained freedom and victory over things that have been a part of your family 
for generations. There's a subtle truth that I want to talk about today. And it really begins with that sentiment. I'm not where I used to be. I used to be the guy who was spending too much money and didn't have a budget. and I didn't think I was ever going to make anything of myself. Had no future plans. Didn't think about going to college. Dear Lord, never thought about speaking to a group of people. I'm not where I used to be. But I'm not where I want to be. Oh, I can look back and see that there's a distance between where I used to be, but if I look forward, I'm not quite where I want to be in life either. This is a pervasive tension in life. I'm not there yet. I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm disciplining myself. I'm growing. I'm learning. But I'm not there yet. I'm not where I was either. So think about this. What created the distance between where you were and where you are? I'm not where I used to be. Well, why are you not there anymore? What happened in your life that changed you? And for the positive changes, more often than not, what you find out is the answer is real simple. You were challenged to grow. Something happened in your life and it confronted something that was in you that needed to change and you were challenged. Maybe you were challenged because you spent too much money and you had to learn to live on a budget. Maybe you were challenged in your parenting. I don't know how to deal with this kid, but you learned and you got some skills and you grew. Where are you being challenged right now? Where in your life are there challenges? Maybe for you, it's in your parenting. There's a, a Christmas song that has a line in it every year I hear it and I'm, I'm just like, that's me. It's not me and my wife, it's just me. It says, mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again. Maybe some of y'all, my wife's a teacher, so she's gonna have to go back to work when school starts. But you get that point towards the end of the Christmas break and you're like, y'all get on my nerves here all day, challenged in my parenting. Maybe you're challenged in your job. You loved it, but you've hit a season where it's difficult. It's challenging. Maybe your neighbors are challenging. Maybe you got Clark Griswold as a neighbor, and he put all those lights out, and he's still turning them on every night. Maybe you got those neighbors that were last night playing some loud music to the wee hours of the morning. I've come to see this about the spaces where we feel challenged. The spaces where we feel challenged are sacred. They're sacred. That word means set apart for God. They're sacred because those challenges are what create growth. Oh, we want comfort. 
we want things to be easy. But without challenges, we're often not provoked to grow. Now, you might not like them. But you can thank God for them. You can praise God for the challenges in your life. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I want to be either, not yet. So if I'm not yet there, I, I, I sense God's called me. I want to grow. I, I have an, an idea of who I could be, but I'm not there yet. How do we get there? Today I'm going to give you a few simple pieces of advice. How do we get there? Number one, don't give up in the middle of a challenging season. Don't give up in the middle of a challenging season. When challenges come, oh, I'm, oh, don't give up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. And what is he referring to, the writer here? What is good is doing what God's called me to do. Let me not get tired of doing what God has called me to do. God, I'm going to stay here as long as you've called me to do it. My heart might not be in it sometimes. I might not feel it, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not giving up. Let's not get tired of doing what is good for it. Just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we what? If we don't give up. When do we want to give up? When? When it's challenging. Oh, we love when God gives us vision. Oh, I can see what the future's gonna look like. And we love when the vision comes to pass. But in the middle, that space in between, there are challenges waiting on you. When things feel challenging, remember that there's always something at stake. There's always something at stake. God called you into the shear. We're building a better foundation in our marriage and you start digging and you start working and then all of a sudden there's some challenges that start to get unearthed. Don't give up because on the other side of that struggle, there's a prize. That's what you're working for. So we need to do this. Number two, see your current challenges as opportunities for future growth. It's a shift in perspective. See your current challenges as opportunities for future growth. You see, something doesn't have to change in your life for your life to change. A lot of times we get in front of God and say, God, if you would change this and this, if you'd make that person act right, if you'd get my boss to finally get off my back, if you'd finally make this and this and this and this happen, my life would be great. But there's a lot of times those things don't have to change. The only thing that has to change is your perspective, the way you see it. And you need to guard your perspective when you're in the middle of a challenge because something's at stake. What's at stake in the middle of a challenge? Your future. Your future is at stake. Well, I'm working on getting healthier, but I'm so sore I don't want to go back to the gym. 
you going that's how that works. I, I really liked going to my counselor, but they started pressing on this thing and it made me uncomfortable. Well, that's how that works. What's at stake? Galatians 6 verse 9 says what? We just read it. On the other side, if I don't give up, there's a harvest of blessing, but so many of us want a life of comfort. I want it to be easy. And oftentimes when it's not, we want to give up. Don't sacrifice growth for comfort. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to be willing to wade into spaces in life that are uncomfortable. Guard your perspective. Don't give up when things are difficult. Then number two, make sure that you're, you're guarding your perspective. See your challenges as opportunities for growth. And then number three, be faithful with the little things. I love that phrase. If y'all around here much, you're going to hear us say that all the time. Going to bother you with it. Going to be up in your face with it sometimes. Be faithful with the little things. Why? Because it's a theme throughout the Bible over and over and over again. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. What's little for you right now might not be little for you later. Be faithful with the little. Be faithful with the little. There's the parable of the talents where the, the master gives the, the servants a lot of money. It's a lot of money to them. It's, not a, it's a little for him. Okay? And they're faithful while they're gone. Faithful, faithful. And they come back and two of the, the, the servants have been, well, well done, good and faithful servant. You will be trusted with more. I came across this verse which reminded me of this. It's real simple. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. A person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Must be faithful. And you might be sitting there thinking, but I'm not a manager. Kevin, I'm not, I'm not even the boss at work. I ain't got nobody that reports to me. What are you talking about? Must be faithful. But what, what am I supposed to be faithful with? I mean, what am I managing? Here's the truth. Everyone is managing their time, their talent, and their treasure. Everyone. Every person in this room is. These are words, again, you, if you're around here, you'll, you'll hear us say time, talent, and treasure. What are we talking about? Treasure is the wealth that God has put in your hands. Okay? It might be money, it might be things, treasure. Talent is the ability God has put in your person. Some of us can sing, some of us can't, okay? All of us can make a joyful noise. Just some, some of us make a prettier joyful noise than others. Don't y'all miss Erica when she ain't here? I do, I tell you what, pretty joyful. And time is simply the resource of a new day, the hours and minutes that go with that. Now, I want to make an observation with that that needs to be said every once in a while. There are people in life that you'll always be able to point to and say, but they got more money. They can do that. Okay. 
there are people that you should also know that you can point to and go, they got less money. Next week, we have a team that's going to Honduras. And those kids that show up to our care point would live gladly, live in your shed. In the building you got out back where you store your, your lawnmower. They'd gladly eat the food that you throw away. Not a person in this room that doesn't have it good in the spectrum of lives being lived out across the world. Yeah, sure, there's people who have got it better. Still got to manage our treasure, my talent. Listen, there are people that you walk into the room, they got all the talent, God. Why did you give them? They can do everything and they do it well. I'm only a one talent person. You got to manage what God gave you. But you know the thing that I was thinking about when I was preparing for this is every one of us has the same amount of time. There's nobody who's been blessed with more time than you. When your eyes open every day, I don't care if it's Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, you go back through the world, Galileo, all these men that accomplished so much, they had the same amount of time that you do. We've got to manage and realize that we're managing. So notice that verse said that everyone who's a manager should be faithful. So who am I being faithful to? If I'm managing, I mean, sure, you put me in charge of a Taco Bell, I'm going to be managing this for Taco Bell. Far too often, we're being faithful to ourselves. Here's the principle of faithfulness. Faithfulness is owed to the purposes of the provider. If as you were leaving today, I handed every person a $100 bill. Here you go, $100. We love you. That's not for you, though. That's for you to bless somebody else. Go give it to your neighbor. Help pay for their power bill. Bless somebody. Buy them dinner. Do something with that. It's not for you. That's the rule. It's not for you. And you get home and you go, man, $100. I give me a new pair of shoes for $100. Or maybe it's $100. You know, we're struggling to pay the rent. That's a blessing. No, it's not. Because that's not the purpose by which you were given. If you take that purpose or that blessing and you co-opt it to your own purposes, you're stealing, period. Faithfulness is owed to the purposes of the provider. There's not a dollar in your bank account a talent in your body and a minute that goes by in the day that God didn't give you. Faithfulness is owed to him. We start by going, God, what do you want to do with it? I want to be faithful to you. Be faithful with a little. And then number four, how am I going to get there? Make Jesus central and first. If you're around here, you're going to hear me say that a lot. Jesus needs to be the center of your life, not just your number one priority. He needs to be the center of all your priorities. He needs to be at the center of your family, the center of your friends, the center of your job, the center of your, of your everything, your finances. Just think about every other thing. He needs to be at the center of it. But I want to make the point this morning that he needs to be first. 
Because we can lie to ourselves and say Jesus is the center, but he's never a priority. He doesn't get your first thought, your first call. He doesn't get the first gift out of an increase. And throughout the Bible, we're instructed to make God first. Why? Because it reorients our heart towards that priority. Some of y'all call in mom when things go bad or your BFF when your first call needs to be on your knees to Jesus Christ. Make Jesus central and first. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is the most daring, bold statement made in human history. Jesus overtly says, the only way you get to God is through me. That's it. So he's either a liar, absolutely crazy, or we should be crowning him as Lord in our lives. What's his claim here? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Think about the implications for that. You don't know the way to go in life. Confused. I got this job offer and this job offer. I don't know where to go. Jesus, show me the way. You're the way. Confused. They say in this, they say in this, this is being said over here. I don't know what to believe. Jesus, show me the truth. You're the truth. And there's an implication for some of us that are here today. There are areas of our life that feel dead. My marriage feels dead. My job feels dead. I feel like I'm dead in my parenting. I feel like financially we're dead right now. I, whatever it is, I don't feel alive. Jesus said, I am life. The only way to an authentic life is through Jesus Christ. That word authentic, meaning as it was originally created to be. God made you. He has a plan for your life. He designed you. He knows who you are. The only way you're going to have an authentic life is through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, this is why Jesus came. To show us the way. That phrase was so important to early Christians that this was not called Christianity to early Christians. This was simply called the way. The way of Jesus. The implications of that are vast. I don't know how to fix my marriage. Jesus is the way. I don't know how to get over the, the broken heart that I have. Jesus is the way. I don't know how out to, to find my way out of this financial mess. Jesus is the way. I don't know how to overcome my depression and my fear and my doubts and my insecurity. Jesus is the way. Wherever you are today, Jesus is the way. I might not be where I was, but he's the way forward. Jesus showed us the way. If you read through the Gospels, Jesus is constantly trying to reorient our hearts. I know you, you, you think it to be that way, but, but I've got to correct you and show you that it's this way. You've heard it said that, that a man who, whose wife has committed adultery, he can divorce her and then get remarried. But I tell you that if any man has looked on another woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery in his heart. And you can imagine the crowd going, whoa, 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 Jesus. That, I ain't never heard that before. 
You've heard it said, don't commit murder. Now in a Jewish culture, they would have memorized the Ten Commandments as a kid. This isn't great. Yes, but I tell you that anybody who hates a brother or sister has already committed adultery in their hearts. Reorienting. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is constantly, you think this way, let me show you. You've heard it said, I tell you, always reorienting, reorienting, reorienting. It's the longest message preached in front of thousands of people. And at the very end of that message, at the end of Matthew 7, Jesus ends this message with this simple story. Look at this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The next verse. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. So everyone has heard. He's speaking to the crowd. Y'all all been listening to me. The differentiation is one puts it into practice and one heard it and doesn't put it into practice and does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. I want to make a few observations from this simple text as we wrap up today. Number one, we're all going to face storms. We're all going to face storms. On one side, you've got the part, Jesus, I'm here. Whatever you say it, I'm going to do it. And I love that it says they're putting them into practice, right? He, he doesn't, I'm, I'm not getting it perfect, but, but I'm trying. I'm going to walk out, forgive your enemy. I'm going to try. Whatever you say, Jesus. And then on the other side, you've got the person like, uh-huh, that's so good. Uh-huh, I ain't never going to do that. And what happens? They both go through a storm. They both go through a storm. It's not a matter of if, it's when. You will face storms. Some of us are, man, we coming out of the storms. Life feels good. It feels sunny. Some of us are slapping in the middle of it. Some of us have been out of a storm for a while. Need to get ready because there's a storm coming. And I saw a principle in the story that is so true, but often not thought about. What life looks like after the storm is determined by what you did before the storm. See, there's some things you got to do before the storm comes. You can't do them in the middle of the storm. Because once the storm hits, it's going to blow. It's going to rage. The water's going to rise. And there's some things you can't do, which is why number two is so important. Build the foundation first. Build the foundation first. Jesus 
draws a correlation between those who hear his word and put it into practice as to building a stronger foundation. Those who do not respond with obedience or neglecting, those are the ones who build it on the sand. Build the foundation first. This is a primary rule when it comes to building. You start with the foundation. I had a contractor tell me not too long ago, he's a friend of mine, was sitting down to have lunch. If I can get the foundation right, I'm not worried about the rest of the building. You know why? Build the foundation first. It's difficult to fix the foundation after you've built the house. Some of us know that we showed up at at a house we were looking to buy and we had seen it online and it looked so good and the rooms were all painted so nice and the floors were all new and it had new appliances and you show up and you walk through and then you walk around and you look outside and like, that foundation is broken. We are not buying this house. Why? Because it's difficult to fix the foundation after you've built the house. Now some of y'all are older and going, well, what, what, what about me? I want you to hear this. Every day you wake up, you're building the foundation. Every day, when your eyes open, you are starting to build a foundation. You're building a foundation today for tomorrow, this week, for next week, this month, for next month, this year, for next year. You are always building. Get the building. Build the foundation first. Number three, the only way to a stronger foundation is following Jesus. That's it. The only way to a stronger foundation is following Jesus. Notice what he said. This one heard my teaching and put it into practice. They have a stronger foundation. Heard my teaching and put it into practice. That's why Jesus is the way forward. I'm not where I want to be. How do I get there? I got to follow Jesus. In the storms, in the challenges, how do we get there? We follow Jesus. Jesus. But let me ask you just a simple question because it needs to be asked. What are you following? What are you putting into practice? Are you following that lady on TikTok that has all the good recipes? Y'all seen her? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I want to make that apple crumble cake. There's something about that apple crumble. It looks so delicious. It has seven sticks of butter. I have, it's probably not going to be good for me, but it looks delicious. Or maybe it's on Instagram, there's the, the fitness instructor. And you're like, I want to be like that person. I want to have abs. I currently have one ab. It's I'm a Una ab. I would love to have six of those. What would it take? So you buy their fitness program and you buy their diet program and you start doing their workouts. And you start eating their food. Maybe you follow that, that family on, uh, on YouTube and they've cleaned out and become minimalist and they, they don't have anything in their house anymore. They got like three plates and that's it. I want to be like that. I want the peace of that. Start following that. What happens? Whatever you're following inevitably results in work to put it into practice. It takes effort. It takes work. And this is why you need to hear this. Whatever you're putting into practice right now is the foundation that you're laying for the coming storm. Now, none of that other stuff is bad, all right? Go, go learn how to make some apple crumble cake with seven sticks of butter. You probably don't need to eat it every day, though. 
okay? But can I tell you what? That's not going to get you through the storm. You go follow that person on Instagram. Do the diet. Do the workout program. But that's not going to get you through the storm. Follow those people on YouTube. Do it, do, you can do all of that. And you can put it all into practice. But it's not going to get you through the storm. You know why I know that? For the same reason you do. I've seen people's lives crash down in the middle of a storm because they didn't have the foundation they needed to weather it. They'd resisted the teaching of, I ain't doing that, I ain't doing that, I don't want any part in that. And I've seen people walk through the toughest things in life and get to the other side, that hurts, that was not easy, but they're still standing. What's the difference? The difference is the foundation that was laid under their life. Is your foundation strong enough? Is it strong enough to weather the coming storm? Or does it need to be repaired? Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.